A listener told me a funny story the other day. He had bought one of those fancy new exercise bikes, and for him, it was without a doubt a very special tool to help him get healthier. But the problem was three days went by, and then four, and he'd yet to use the bike. And then on night five, he's sitting at the kitchen table, and he looks down at himself, and he couldn't help but just laugh because there he was wearing the exercise T-shirt that came with the bike, and he was eating two corn dogs. Hi, it's Doug Hastings with Moody Radio, and I think we'd all agree having a special tool only matters if we use it to our benefit. And I'd love for you guys to learn about my friends at United Faith Mortgage, a very unique faith-focused mortgage team with an advantageous tool just for you. You see, United Faith Mortgage is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means they get to use their own money and make their own decisions. There's no middleman, and often this advantage allows them to get you a better rate on your refinance or your new home purchase, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. So I'd encourage you, check them out, United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp., 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. This is Ed Stetzer Live, and we're, it's kind of an awkward name for the program today since we're actually, well, we're not live, but we are alive. And my guests and I are live. We're live here having a conversation, and we're in Denver, actually in the studio of Cherry Hills Community Church, uh, where I'll be speaking uh, this weekend. And so, but I'm so glad you're joining us. The reason I tell you that we're not live is because we know people want to call. It's going to be a great conversation today, but we won't be able to take calls for that reason. So, um, so, but we're going to have an important discussion that I think you will find very helpful. And it's, we're going to talk about a new book from Heather Thompson Day. I'm going to introduce her in just a moment, but it's called, It's Not Your Turn, What to Do While You're Waiting for Your Breakthrough. Now you say, why are you telling me the book before you introduce the person? Because you might be listening and you might say, this is something that, you know, I I know someone needs to hear this and you might want to call them, send them a text, tell them, hey, turn on Moody Radio, our partners and affiliates. We're on over a hundred stations across the country um, and say, or maybe even share this as the podcast afterwards and say, hey, you know, it's not your turn. What to do while you're waiting for your breakthrough is where your friend is or where you are, and this might be super helpful for uh, for her or for him. So Dr. Heather Thompson-Day is an international speaker, associate professor of communication at Colorado Christian University. She's passionate about supporting women, runs an online ministry called I'm That Wife, which has nearly 200,000 followers. And Heather, you're kind of a social media phenomenon. And so we are so glad that you're here on the program. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so we have never met in person, though you did say one time I walked past you and you didn't say hello, which I felt you know, almost insulted by. Actually, I walked past you. Okay, it was the other way around. You were sitting yeah. in Colorado Christian somewhere in the like a lobby, yeah. and I saw you and I ran. Okay, wow, wow. Because I... I knew you online, and I was like, do I say something? And wow. then I just... And then I just wow. ran. Fight okay. or flight kicked in. Wow, that's I don't know. Is this the response I have with people? I don't know if I'm like <laughs> causing fight or flight. I've gotta maybe I've gotta be less whatever. Um, but anyway, so I'm so glad you're here because I, I do uh, we we do interact. Yeah, I've kind of quit interacting on Twitter because I'm trying to write a book. And but in the past we've had some interactions on Twitter and so excited. You have your book, brand new book, is it actually released on June 29th. So days ago, so people can get this now. It's it's called It's Not Your Turn, What to Do While You're Waiting for Your Breakthrough. So just obvious beginning question, why this topic? And uh, I, I think it resonates with a lot of people, but why this topic for you? 
Yeah. Can I tell you a story? I love stories. To answer that. Yes. So I was looking for a job in academia mm-hmm. about seven years ago, and I couldn't find one, a full-time job. I was adjuncting somewhere. I was adjuncting like five different places. Yes. It's, it's the story of many people yeah. who get their PhD, but sorry. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking for a job. I had done everything right. I went to school all the way through. I never took even took a summer off for like 10 years, finished my PhD, can't find a job. And at the same time, one of my best friends from third grade calls me and she's like, Heather, you're not going to believe it. And I'm like what she's like i just got hired by nasa wow and i was like that's great right i'm choking on the words but i am happy for her but i was just so sad for myself and it was one of the first times i just felt like the holy spirit whispered in my ear he said heather it's not your turn Mm. but it's hers and so how you treat her and how you respond in this moment matters. So cheering so, other people on yeah. and their victories is good, but you're still waiting for your now. And now I did you, keep and waiting. Now, and now you're our professor. So yeah, and yeah, yeah. At, at a wonderful school, we have your, your presence, a friend of mine and love. Uh, I know I'm back from RTS days. So, okay. so reform theological seminary days. Um, so, so when you have kind of now achieved that, you have got to that next point, how, you've experienced some of that breakthrough. What is that like? I think it looks like trying to create opportunities for other people who yeah. are where you were. Yeah. I think that's what it looks like. Right. So you're helping people find their turns that's in what, a sense as well. Yeah. You know, Malcolm Gladwell calls yeah. it connectors. Yeah. I really think all Christians should be connectors. Yeah. I think we should co-labor with Christ because so many times people pray and they say, where's God? Or I don't see God. Well, God is seen through his people. Yeah. And so we have to make opportunities and experiences where people see God through us. Yeah, now you are very engaged in social media, but part of what you talk about in the book is some of your concern with peer comparison in yeah. the social media world. Because everyone I see on social media is just doing great. Right. I sometimes, this is a little strange, I sometimes try to tweet like negative things on social media so people don't think I'm always like going to conferences, speaking and having a great right, time. Right, But then what happens is people like overreact. <laughs> so I'm like, what do I do? Because I'm kind of saying, I'm having a really bad day. Just, you know, so I'm going to call this a day, go on to tomorrow. And I get 50 emails. I'm like, no, yeah. no, I just want people to know that it's normal to have a bad day. So tell us about the social media comparison and how that makes it a challenge for us. Yeah. So this is the most depressed and loneliest generation in U.S. history. Wow. I think a lot of that has to do with social media because you know, it used to be that you could only compare yourself to your neighbors and their lawn ornaments. Right. And now I can't go to the bathroom without comparing myself to 50 of my closest, yeah. and I say that with quotations, friends. Yeah. Right? And there's always somebody that's doing so much better. And they always than look I'm fabulous. Doing. And they always, they look, always fabulous. look fabulous. And even with ministry, right? Yeah. Like there's always somebody who's doing something more grandiose or yeah. more sacrificial. Yeah. And then I look at my own life and I'm like, am I doing enough? It's just a never ending spiral. Yeah, no, and I think I think that's a huge part, you know, even as the father of three daughters, two of whom are teenagers, one of them just out of the teens, uh, boy, you know, social media is just, it can be a monster. And we have to tame that as well. On the other hand, you've used it. <laughs> I mean, you're fascinating to watch on social media. I mean, you're like a matchmaker on yeah. social media. Tell me about the matchmaker thing. That's fascinating to people. So I've been matchmaking since I was in middle school. Yeah. I love it. I love love. skills. I also match make not just romantic relationships. I also match make friendships. Yeah. So if I have a student come in my office, I just believe in relationship period. I think we're supposed to be relational beings. But if I have a student come in my office and they say, I I just am so lonely here. I don't know if this is a school for me. I'll try to connect them to another student and then give them a gift card to go have dinner together and see if they hit it off and become best friends. I just like relationships. So I was doing that on Twitter where I would just retweet your little profile. People would send their picture and then some stats and I'd retweet (laughs) it just to elevate their message. But I've stopped. I had to quit. Okay. But you're 
still doing that like personally? It, oh, absolutely. Okay. okay, that is so fascinating to me because I, I just I, there's a world that you don't want me to be engaged in that as well at all. Okay, so um, so now though, as your your communications professor, mm -hmm. and yet so much of what you do, I actually one of the reasons I sent you a direct message a while ago was I sort of changed the way I tweeted based on learning from you the way that you tweet. So social media, I mean, you're doing it, you're doing it well. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What would you tell our listeners to be oh, or man. not be engaged? It depends on who you read, Yeah. right? A lot of the authors would say it's always bad yeah. because it's absolutely changing our brains. Right. And we know that. I just have the opinion that it's here Yeah. and it's not going anywhere. And again, I just think as Christians, why would we not take yeah. advantage of every medium that we can to reach people? Yeah. If we believe in God, if we believe that this is the best thing that ever happened to you. Mm -hmm. and, and again, this is who I am. I love Chick-fil-A. So if I... I just want to stop just a moment and affirm that sentence. I too love Chick-fil-A. Oh, do you? Yes, I yeah, do. it's oh, like a real thing it's for like me. It's gospel, like gospel chicken. I feel the same. Yeah, exactly. And I do, and look what I'm saying. Yeah. Like they genuinely change your day when yeah. you just go through the line. Oh, They're true. so wonderful. Yep. And so when I have students, all my students know I love Chick-fil-A. If I'm telling more people about Chick-fil-A than Jesus Christ, yeah, there's a disconnect. Sure. And so I just feel like if I have followers, even if there's 10, why would I not? Yeah. Though some would say that telling people about Chick-fil-A is a gospel opportunity <laughs> as well. <laughs> Depends how much Which you like Chick-fil-A. But that's another story for another day. So because I know, like, just because you're on Twitter, and when, once I interacted with you, then Twitter puts your tweets uh, for a while, like, okay. like on my thing. So I, I like, I know that I know a little bit of your, your story of origin, which I think is fascinating, but I don't know. I mean, I, this is the first time we've met. Right. Yet I know that your, would it be your father? Yeah. Your father was objecting. No, your grandfather, someone was objecting to the uh, biracial marriage yes, and all this sort of my things. Grandfather. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Should we go into that? So my grand, my dad is black. He's actually bohemian and African-American and my mom is white. Yeah. And when my grandfather and grandma found out that my mom was dating a black man and they'd been talking on the phone for a while. My dad was in Broadway. So they came and did Jesus Christ Superstar actually nice. um, in Grand Rapids, yeah. Michigan. And my mom was his waitress and they met and they stayed in touch. And so my grandparents had talked to my dad on the phone a few times. They were happy that she was dating this actor. But then one day, I guess my mom was at home and my dad told them casually that he was black. He just felt like it was time. And they told her that her stuff would be on the sidewalk yeah. if she didn't break up with him. So my dad bought her a one-way ticket. Yeah. And they've been together ever since. And here's my story. This is really Yeah, important. this is why I want, because it's not just some random, hey, there's a fact here, but you're no. telling a redemptive story. No, it's yeah, a beautiful yeah, yeah. story because my grandfather was one of the most godly, wonderful, kind men, obviously, in my life. And he was a huge pivotal part in my life. And I just think it's really fascinating because he was also the same man who didn't go to his own daughter's wedding. Mm. And so there's just this... I have to live with those two yeah. dual realities, yeah. right? Yeah. And so what it means is that nobody is ever one thing. Yeah. And we're all on a journey. And I think racial reconciliation especially is this journey. Love it. And so, but why, so why then you say you live tweet your marriage. Yeah. So you, you've tweeted you this story about your parents and your grandparents that is kind of jarring, but has this great redemptive ending. Uh, why, why do that? Why share those? Cause to me, and I want to come back to you because I think it, I think it ties into some of what you're talking about uh, in the book. Let me remind you, you were talking to uh, Heather Thompson day. Her book is it's not your turn. What to do while you're waiting for your breakthrough, but your tweet, you tweet these stories of your own journey that, yeah. that often end with a positive outcome and not always, but often do. Yeah. Some of it might be because I'm 34. So yeah. I grew up blogging, but I also just think 
again, I think for me, all things go back to Christ. And I think he becomes more accessible the more that we see him in other people. And I just remember growing up in a very conservative Christian school and seeing the cool Christian kids and just being like, that's never going to be me. Like, I just, I just never felt connected to, to what I saw. And so I know that there's people who see me and feel like God is more accessible because of the honesty of who I am, which is not always a great person. Right. And it's just like this normal person who sometimes is screaming at my husband in the driveway. Yeah. And so I'll tweet that. And you literally tweet. And then I see your, is your husband sad? Sad. And then I see your husband say, yeah, we said a big argument. And it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like my wife would kill me. I mean, Donna, I, call, I actually tweet when I tweet about Donna, I say she who does not tweet. I mean, that's my name for her <laughs> on the Twitters. Um, she would kill me if you guys tweet, if I tweet some of the things you guys tweet. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And you know what? That's a boundary for all people yeah. that we need to assess for ourselves. Yeah. And that's not a little different boundary for you. But part of it is you're, you do point to the going through the hard times. One of the themes in the book, again, the book is, is, uh, is it's not your turn, but one of the things in the book is about how to walk slowly and trust God. Yeah. So in some of those things, that's kind of what you point to is trusting God in the midst of that. So you point out some of the challenges, but you remind people to trust God. Why is that important? Yeah, it's just, I think it's really healthy to know that God is with us just as much in the pit as he is the palace, right? Because what, what you read scripture and it seems you flip a page and now Joseph's in charge of Egypt. It is. And people forget the years. But there's like 17 years in between there. Exactly. And so in my own life, what does that look like? Yeah. And so I like people to understand that, you know, man, this is what I say. Cause my students will come to me all the time and they say, you know, Dr. Day, I just don't feel it. I prayed and I cried and I tried and I don't feel anything. And I say, sister, like who told you you had to feel it? There's so many, are you kidding me? You think my relationship with God is based on whether or not I feel it? Absolutely not. There are so many days I feel nothing that has nothing to do with who he is and what I know to be true. And so I think we have to talk about those things that there are hard times and God is no less present in those hard times. We're going to continue our conversation with Heather Thompson Day in just a moment. We're talking about her new book. It's, it's not your turn. Uh, but then the rest is what to do while waiting for your breakthrough. So we're going to continue the conversation. Just a reminder, we're not taking your calls today because we've pre-recorded this so we could release this just as her book has come out. It's brand new. You can pick it up right now. So again, we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. Stay with us. Heather Thompson Day on the other side. Hey, we're back. Heather Thompson Day is our guest. She is the Associate Professor of Communication at Colorado Christian University, but also kind of a well-known speaker, writer, and social media user extraordinaire. You can follow her at uh, at Heather Thompson. What What is your actual address here? Heather it's T. Day Heather T. Twitter. Day. I want to say Heather Thompson, but they probably don't let you do it that long. Heather Thank T. You. Day on Twitter. Easy to remember. Heather T. Day on Twitter and uh, and on Instagram. You're, I think you're even bigger on Instagram than you are on Twitter. I'm not an Instagram person, so that's more of a picture, and you don't want pictures of me. All right, so um, we all have plans. This is kind of a key theme in your book. We all have plans, but sometimes they don't go as expected, but we're still working towards them. What do we do as we wait for that breakthrough? Yeah, I, the big thing that I came to in the book was – who you are when it's not your turn is actually more important than who you will be when it is. And I just realized that for myself because everybody shows up. Let's just use podcasting. Everybody shows up when you have thousands of listeners yeah, on the podcast, yeah. right? Everybody's going to get on the stage when there's 2000 people cheering for you. I think God is looking for a generation of people who are willing to show up for two people. 
who will turn the little podcast button on for their 10 listeners faithfully. Okay. Right. And I just think that it's more important who we are when it's not our turn is more important than who we will be when it is. And so why don't we live life that way? And I came to a place, it was probably four years ago. I was having lunch with a friend and she just said to me, Heather, why do you always think like life is going to start happening then when you get wherever this metaphorical place is that you think you're supposed to be? She said, God is right here. And when you go across campus and you teach your class, like God, he's not more proud of you when 10,000 people are there. He's proud of you right here for your 15 kids in a class. And it just really, I got goosebumps as she was talking to me and I felt like it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I just decided to stop phoning it in. Right. Nice. And I thought I'm going to go teach this class. Yeah. I have probably five kids in a class after lunch. So all their heads are on the desk and I walk in and I'm just like, I'm going to teach this class as if it's the most important thing I'm ever going to do mm. in my entire life. And I've tried since that day to start living in all things that way. Yeah. Ever, if a student comes in my office, let me give this student my attention as if this is the most important thing I will ever do with my life. So, okay. So and let's, let's walk down that some, because one of the things we both work with students, so I'm the yeah. Dean at Wheaton college, you're a professor at Colorado Christian, um, and a wonderful school. I should say, we love Colorado Christian. I've had the privilege of speaking there though. The Sunday, I, the Sunday, the chapel I did was suddenly Colorado Christian students all got invited to the March for life. So I come to the oh. chapel and nobody's there. No. There's like 300 students. And then leave. I ran away. Then you from ran away you. from me. Wow. This is my experience at Colorado Christian. I, st- I'm not going back there. I, you know, I went, I, I wanted so to sorry. say to, to a Don present. Nope. Not going back. <laughs> um, so, okay. But I would tell you if I can like gently say this, that a lot of our students sort of have the perception that they're going to go from graduation to the boardroom that they're going to yeah. be, and there's not a lot of I'm going to work hard. Now, don't don't misunderstand. Sometimes they're not because there's some. It seems that there's you know you can't categorize a group broadly, but there's a higher, often unrealistic expectation of sudden success in young adults today than I experienced when I was a kid. Is is that my imagination? You can correct me. You know students better than I do. I'm a dean, so I don't work as much day to day. No, I totally agree. And okay. I, again, I think that goes back to social media, though. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, the so. representation that's right. always there for me right. is people saying "got the job" viral tweet. Yeah, everybody winning. Right. No one saying didn't get the job on social media. Right. So. And so I just think so. And, and you want to know what else I think it is? I think this generation has not been adequately mentored. Mm-hmm. I think my generation and older generations have been so caught up in their own careers that mm-hmm. we've forgotten to go back for the people behind us. And and I think that we do bear some of the brunt of that because they don't know, like they have no stories of what it was like when you were struggling. And so we have to give them those stories yeah. so that they see people who they perceive to be successful. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, it wasn't always that way. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, as a, as a, whatever I am, you know, speaker, writer, whatever, uh, people say to me, what do I need to do to end up doing what you do? And I say to them, well, when Don and I were 20, we got married at 21, we moved to the inner city of Buffalo, New York to plant a church among the urban poor. And I worked as a contractor and I drove four hours once a week to go do seminary. I said, that's what I had to do. And so there's not that we don't hear those stories of that. We just see the kind of the end result. This is one of the reasons I think your book is going to be so helpful is it helps people think about that in between time and what can and should we be doing? So what three things do you feel people need to learn about while waiting on God as you talk about in the book? Yeah, I think number one is just to be present where you are. That is, that's what has changed my life the most was believing that it matters right where you are. Mm -hmm. I think number two is developing, you know, 
placing a priority on relationships with other people because the reality is, I think Malcolm Gladwell says this. He says in the tipping point, he says the answer to the question that you have or the, the problem that you need solving is probably in the hands of somebody that you know. But I think because we go through life so much on our phones, even in lines, we're constantly yeah. meeting people or on an airplane. We're constantly yeah. meeting people, but we just scroll instead. And so we miss all these opportunities to ask people where they're from or what they're about and develop relationships with them. And you have no idea what that person has that might be the exact thing that you've been praying for. So I think that that's probably the second thing. The third thing I would say everybody should do while waiting for their breakthrough is allow themselves to be honest with how they feel. Yeah. That's a hard part for a lot of people, to be honest with how they feel. It's a hard part for me. Yeah, me too. Me too, for sure. So, uh, uh, because you talk about in the book, you talk about um, premature image based success. Yeah. And I think that's an important phrase because, again, we've tied into social media. Of course, it's not just social media, but social media has just just multiplied this so many times. Uh, Premature, for most people, your success, and we have little successes, we have big successes. So, my daughter, I have have three daughters. just got, I'm going to brag about it, right? So, uh, you know, this, this show's airing in July. Next month, I take her to Toronto to live in downtown Toronto, where she's been admitted to the uh, prestigious uh, School of Music faculty, master's degree at the University of Toronto. She's an wow. amazing singer. One day, she's going to be on Broadway. So, uh, but while I'm talking to you, she's working at 7-Eleven. And so she's, um, and, and partly because she has a strong work ethic, you know, and she's, before she moves, she wants to save up some money. Um, but for some, they just want to get to that other side. So that premature image-based success. And um, so I, I guess the question I would have is what advice would you give to somebody who their success might be for her? She's got three years of grad school. Then she might have to do a doctoral work. She's probably going to go waitress in New York city, trying to get a break one day, sing at Carnegie hall. It might be 15, 20 years. Why should she, why should she persevere like that? Because who we are when it's not our turn is more important than who we will be when it is right. Mm -hmm. We have to live life with purpose right here because we are constantly coming into counter with people who need to see the image of God revealed in us. And we can't do that if we aren't present. And I'm saying that as somebody who's like a recovering futuristic thinker all the time. I always, I'm an Enneagram three. I always lived in the future and I just missed so many awesome opportunities to be present and faithful where I was. Yeah. that seems, I think for a lot of people, that's, they rush past the moment. So when I, when Don and I moved to the inner city of Buffalo, New York to plant a church in the middle of the crack epidemic of the late eighties and early nineties, we weren't thinking about even next. We were thinking about just being present here and loving people, seeing people come to faith in Christ, um, you know, in a very difficult and dark time in Buffalo, the fastest shrinking city in the country. Um, but part of the reality is, is we weren't always trying to get to what's next. We're trying to live in what we right. are now. So what is the balance? Because you are working towards a breakthrough. In our case, the breakthrough is we just want to see men and women be changed by the power of the gospel. But there are other breakthroughs that were to come. How do I stay in a tough situation? And do I just start thinking about the future or do I dig deep here? I think we always dig deep here, but I also personally pray, God, show me when this assignment is over. And I just believe that God will open doors when it's time, when the assignment is over. Mm -hmm. And if the door isn't open, then we stay planted and we stay faithful and we serve where we are. Yeah. And for a lot of times, for a lot of people, you mentioned 17 years. I mean, that's that's not like a few weeks. Yeah. When I look, I'm just thinking back when I was first trying to get even it's not your turn. That book was only born because I had 
probably seven years, which doesn't sound like a lot to some people, but for me, 34, that was, that that's was a big a chunk big of your chunk life. Of my life. Exactly. I had seven years yeah, where my, at my agent, age, I call seven years, like, like a Thursday, my God, <laughs> <laughs> my agent worked faithfully for me and I was rejected by every single Christian. I used to go to the bookstore and just read the backs to look at the publishers and yeah. say, rejected by this one. Really? This wow. One. wow. And they would give me these letters, um, that, in some ways just hurt my feelings even more. Oh. Um, but it just wasn't, it wasn't my time. Right. So did I ever quit writing? I didn't. So we started blogging and, yeah. and you want to know what's funny. The best thing I probably ever did was in those seven years, because my best friend and I were both stay at home moms for a little bit there when I had um, my second child and we just felt really isolated and disconnected. And so we started, she was like, let's start a blog. And I felt hesitant to do it because up until that point, everything I had done had been branded very Christianly right. and she's Jewish. And right. so I thought, oh, I don't know if I, if I'm supposed to do that. And I just felt like everything you do doesn't have to be Christian as long as you stay Christian in everything you do. So I ended up doing this blog with her, which now has over 200,000 followers. And I have become a better writer because yeah. of her influence on me. Just so many things have changed in how I see life in the world because of my experience writing this blog with her for the last four years. And it's something I was scared to even do. And I started doing it in a place where I was probably one of the most depressing places I've ever been. Yeah. So I'm just saying we dig deep and we say, okay, I'm not where I want to be, but that doesn't mean that I'm not here on purpose. So God help me to see what I'm supposed to see and help me to be faithful with what I have. Yeah. And the blog is, uh, I'm that wife.com. We've got a link. If you go to edsetzerlive.com, we link to all of Heather's resources there as well. Easy to find, but, uh, that's a, that's a fascinating. And you, you're very transparent. You, yeah. and I think it's Scarlett. Is Scarlett, your, yeah. my best friend. Uh, yeah. Since and I was like 14. Did you? Wow. Okay. And you're very forthright and, you know, and giving good advice and counsel to people as well. And that's part of what I think people will find helpful in the book. Again, the book is by a major Christian publisher, InterVarsity. Yes. And I'm actually at this very time, I'm on a writing retreat, trying to finish my book for InterVarsity, which is two years late. So <laughs> if they're listening right now, I know Heather got her book done, but don't be mad at me. <laughs> I'm finishing it this summer. It's on the future of evangelism. But uh, but the, the name of uh, Heather's book is It's Not Your Turn, What to Do While You're Waiting for Your Breakthrough. Okay, so which leads me to a couple of more questions here. Um, has this been harder during the pandemic? How is, because I mean, your book's coming out as we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but you wrote this during the pandemic time-wise. Right. And what is it? I mean, for a lot of people, I, I told my daughters, you know, my, my, my one daughter, my middle daughter, she's going to California to go to college. Um, but she took a gap year because, you know, the schools in California, it's a larger school in California, just didn't meet. And she said, you know, right. I'm just going to wait. So now for the last year, she's been working at Petco and a veterinarian. She's going to be a veterinarian one day. And that waiting's been been hard. I mean, it's a hard year to wait during the right. pandemic. How, how have you worked through and helped people walk through those challenges? You know, I think for me the pandemic really put my life into a better perspective as far as what makes me a whole person. Um, and I used to be somebody who every speaking engagement I got, I took. And then something in the pandemic, when it, we couldn't go out anymore, it just made me realize I never want to do that again. And I want, I want to be really present with my children. And I want to be really present with my husband. And I think that the pandemic taught me that. Yeah, we're going to talk more with Heather Thompson today in just a moment. And again, we're, we've pre-recorded this show. You can listen and re-listen it again later as well at edcetralive.com. But we're talking with Dr. Heather Thompson Day, and we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. Ask some questions I think you'll want to ask, so stay with us as we continue this important conversation about taking your next turn.
Hey, this is Ed Setzer Live. And just a reminder that we're not taking calls today because we did pre-record this. You know, we're over July 4th weekend, so our team's also celebrating with their families. But we actually know our listenership goes up on holiday weekend. So if you're listening for the first time, go to edstetzerlive.com. You can subscribe to the podcast, listen to this, well, really, whenever you want to. You know, in education, we didn't use these words two years ago, but after the pandemic, we all talk about synchronous and asynchronous education and opportunities. Well, right now, if you're listening live on the radio, you're listening synchronous, um, uh, but you can also listen asynchronously, listen anytime you want by going to It's Stetzer Live and downloading the podcast there. We're talking to Dr. Heather Thompson Day. She's an international speaker, social professor of communications at Colorado Christian University, uh, runs an online community called I'm That Wife with nearly 200,000 followers. It's kind of fun to follow on social media, and I got to know her a little bit there. We talked about that earlier in the segment. If you're joining us late, you want to listen to that as well. We're talking about her brand new book like three days ago it comes out it came out and it's called it's not your turn which is which is again it kind of feels a little negative heather we're talking about (laughs) it's not your turn this is what i might say to my two-year-old it's not your turn right but the point is what to do while you're waiting for your breakthrough and you open the book with a story well tell us the story and why it's important yeah so the story that i open with is actually super personal. I was going, it was my daughter's first birthday and I wanted to be a perfect Pinterest mom. And so I was trying to like hand make all of the food and appetizers and all that stuff. And so I had bought all the groceries for that. And then, um, I went back cause I realized I forgot party plates. I forgot paper party plates. And so I went back in line and when I went to pay for the plates, my card was declined. Ouch. And they were like $2 and 15 cents. And so I watched in that moment at the same time that I'm praying all these prayers to God for this full-time job in academia. And I'd been adjuncting for the last couple of years. And I watched the education that I had. I, all of the books that I had written just evaporate between me and this cashier. She tells me that my card is a client and I drive home with my husband and both, neither of us just say a word. We were just in one of like the lowest places that I've ever been and just felt like God was not listening to me or hearing me. And that's, that's some of my experience of just feeling like, it is definitely not my turn. And I don't really have any redemption in that. We There's didn't, no redemption. I left the story the doesn't plates. end well. You didn't, didn't get the plates. Get you didn't get the plates. But I, you know what? I did make a beautiful meal for my daughter. Yeah. So that's the redemption, I guess. We we made do. God provided with what we had. Yeah. We used real dishware. We didn't have the paper plates. Wow. Do, do your, now, speaking of your, like, you talking about your kids, do your kids, like, when you talk about them on the socials, um, <laughs> do they, like, and your husband on the socials, because, again, you're pretty self-disclosing. Uh, I, my, I have to get permission from my daughters now. You know, when they were little, I didn't have to get permission. So what's I'm what's scared about that? Yeah. Well, they, you know, they're like pictures are of great concern. Right. They say, well, I wouldn't see any pictures that they're in before we post them online. You want to know what's funny is people always used to say to me, like, how does Seth feel about you writing about him? Because I wrote Confessions of a Christian Wife. And a lot of those are about our marriage. And, you know, he doesn't read any of my books. I don't think he's read any of them. He never read my blog. Is that just self-protection in his days? He just never did. And he he really doesn't like social media, so he never saw my posts. I would have, like, viral posts of him on I'm That Wife, the blog, and he had no clue. Oh, that's funny. That they even existed. now he has a Twitter now, so I I think it has changed the way I tweet a little bit. I used to have <laughs> you might you might be watching, <laughs> yeah. But now he sees things, so it does. So yeah, I'm worried about that when my kids are on yeah. one day, yeah. and how's that going to change my writing? I don't know. Yeah, my my youngest daughter, my other two don't like engage me in social media, but my youngest <laughs> daughter says I'm I'm on Twitter 
uh, to watch what people say about you. So oh. and she's uh, she's amused by it and usually amused. Sometimes like, I, that's not true what they said about you. I said, baby, <laughs> social media is not the place to find truth. I can't even fathom what that's going to be like for my kids. Yeah, it's a little different. You just have to coach them and prepare them. And that's, you know, it's, we you know, social media has gone toxic. We all feel I the know. toxicity of it. Uh, but again, you've sought to kind of walk in that space, keep encouraging people in that space, and I and I love that about your uh, your platform, your your ministry. But you know what? I I was going through my old tweets recently, and I was more aggressive yeah. when nobody was watching what right. I did. Right. Yeah. Because you've gone it blown up lately. You've I know. More followers. Yeah. yeah. And I, so I used. I mean. You know, I had a few hundred. So yeah. I, I was more, if somebody said something rude to me, I would respond. Now I just don't even engage. Right. You don't do that. Now, you know that some people delete their tweets. So my tweets all delete within a week. So you don't want someone going oh. back 10 years ago and finding something that is taken out of context. But that's Absolutely. another story for another day. All right. So in the time you're waiting, remember the, for, for our listeners, we're talking uh, about when it's not your turn. The title of the book is It's Not Your Turn, What to Do. Yeah. So it's not just it's not your turn, what to do while you're waiting for a breakthrough. So one of the things seems to be learning in that time. What are some things that we want to intentionally learn in those times? Can I just say this? And this kind of fits with what you were talking about earlier with this next generation, because I always will have students that say, I have this idea and I want to write this or create this project or speak in this space. What should I do right now? And I say, the first thing you should do is find 12 books on that exact topic and spend the next year reading one book a month. And by the time a year has passed, if you have read 12 books on that topic, I promise you that you will be one of the, it'll just ooze out from your tweets. It'll just ooze out from the content that you create because you'll be so learned in that area. But, and typically I don't hear back from them again. (laughs) I I mean that. And I, there is, I try to read a book a month Yeah. and I, this was probably three years ago in the area of communication because that's my field that I'm super passionate about. And I just thought, you know what? I only ever read communication textbooks. Right. Why don't I, why am I not reading books on communication? I should be reading one book a month. And so I tried doing that and learning while we're in our space literally is preparing you for where you're going to go. Right. And it's like, we, I just wonder if we don't believe it because if you really, let's just say it's 10 years from now, whatever the thing is for whoever's listening, 10 years from now, God's going to open that door. Are you ready for that? And what would you be doing right now? If you believe that you were going to get there in 10 years, something my mentor says to me, my mentor was, is Jose Rojas. He was the um, spiritual advisor to Bill Clinton and George Bush. And something he says to me all the time is Heather, assume the role. Hmm. Like you live today as if you are the Heather of 10 years ago wow. or 10 years 10 from, years now. from now. Yeah, right, 10 right, years right, from now. Right. You live today as if you're that person. Yeah. And how does that change how you respond to situations today? Hmm. And even let's just look at conflict. Sometimes if I'm experiencing a conflict with somebody, I'll think that I'll think, okay, what's the long game here? Is it, if I call this person out, if I get into this, is it worth it five years from now? Am I really going going to care about this argument? And if not, maybe I just let it go. Yeah. And it could burn bridges that last a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I just think we have to, all of us should be thinking in long terms and then being present though with where we are. So when I was, um, when I was 21, I mentioned that earlier, Don and I went to Buffalo I decided I wanted to do a PhD one day. 
And so I remember telling people, I'm going to do my MDiv. I'm going to do a couple of Master of Divinity, if those aren't familiar with the degrees. But one day I'm going to do a PhD. And someone said to me, well, you know, that would be, if you did your MDiv, you're doing it part-time, that could take you five years. You can do a PhD, you have to move, that could take you five. It's going to be 10 years. Well, actually, I was 34 when I finished my PhD. So so your age mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. from So from 21 to 34, I was in full, I think it was 34, it might have been 35. Mm-hmm. I was in f- education. This is my life. Yeah, you the whole time. You are to me my life. Yeah, so, so but I, how many people along the way discussed? unintentionally discouraged me yeah. by saying, well, that's going to be, it's going to be 10 years before you People see that. People say that a It's lot. the strangest thing. I'm like, but yeah. And I don't get that. Yeah, they would say to me at that time, they said, well, you're going to be in your thirties when you're done with your right. PhD. 30. I know, exactly. So I said back to them, but I'm going to be in my thirties whether I'm doing it <laughs> yes. or not. So I'm still going to be 10 years older. So it's, it's just a different mindset, I think. So how do we help get the mindset of in that waiting time, making it valuable. I think you just said it. Okay. Time is going to pass yeah. regardless of whether or not you're yeah. using it. So why would you not use it? Yeah. It feels like many people don't. And I think that's a key theme in the book. So again, I want to commend to you. It's not your turn. What to do, what to do, not what to think, not what that's part of it too. Not what to <laughs> worry about though. That's in there as well, but what to do yes. while you're waiting for your breakthrough 30 seconds. Uh, and then we'll come back and we'll continue our conversation. But right now people are listening and saying, well, how do I take this next step? What's the next step to begin to build that yeah. kind of process? I always say the first thing you do is write it down. Okay. Whatever the thing is, you are 33% more likely to do it just by writing it down. So right now, whatever the Holy Spirit is stirring on your heart, man, this is the thing I've always wanted you to do. Write it down. You're 33% more likely just because you've written it down. Love that. I think you made that statistic up, but I'm going to believe you. <laughs> Somebody you're, check me on that. Well, you're a professor, so you must know. We don't make up. You know, I often say 87% of statistics are made up on the spot. But either way, I believe you. 33% more likely to write it down. Write it down, folks. We're listening to Heather Thompson Day. Also, make sure you get her book filled with practical insights called It's Not Your Turn. What to do while you're waiting for your breakthrough. A reminder. Uh, we're not taking calls because we pre-recorded this, but over your July 4th weekend, you can listen to this. Make sure you bookmark it. Go to Ed Stetzer Live. Pick up the book as well. We'll be back doing our conversation in just a moment. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. I'm at Stetzer. I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, serve as a dean there at Wheaton College. But for today, I have the privilege of this and every Saturday being your host for Ed Stetzer Live, which is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. And of course, we're on the Moody Radio Network, but also our partners and affiliates, uh, over 100 stations across the country, and deeply thankful. Let me remind you as well, we know more people listen on a holiday weekend than normal. And first, you could set your reminder to listen every Saturday at whatever time it is in your time zone. But also, you can go to edstetcherlive.com, subscribe to the podcast, listen each and every week at your convenience as well. Uh, terrestrial radio, that's what we call it in the biz. Terrestrial radio is good, but we're here at Moody Radio passionate about just content. So make sure you go to edstetcherlive and uh, download the or subscribe to the podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Heather Thompson Day. She's Associate Professor of Communication at Colorado Christian University. We haven't talked a lot about communication, so we're going to do that. But the focus of our conversation today is our brand new book, Forward by Annie Downs. Uh, it's called It's Not Your Turn. It's Not Your Turn, which, again, important words, important four words, right? Um, but then the key is what to do while you're waiting for your breakthrough. I do wonder, with the title. So, I mean, it's kind of like it's not about you. I'm trying to remember who wrote the title oh, of that oh, book. Oh, that book was so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. That was a life-changing book. 
Yeah, so Purpose Driven Life starts with those words, but there was a book called It's Not yes. About You, and I forget who wrote it, so please forgive me. I'll Google it while we're talking. But It's Not Your Turn is kind of jarring in that same way. What are you trying to draw out of people with something that starts like that? I think when I when I wrote that down, it was it was really for myself because we can get so caught up in what it seems like is happening for everyone else that we can get caught up in our own emotions over that and forget to join in their joy. A really great book um, by David Rico. It's called uh, Learning to Trust. And something that he talks about in that book is how we actually decide who we trust based on whether, based on who joins in our joy. It's one of the ways that we decide people are trustworthy. So when we look at people and we say, oh, I don't trust that person, really it's because we've seen them not join in our joy. And I think we all need to do a better job of that, of just saying to ourselves, you know what? It's not your turn right now. It's this person's. And so clap for them. Show up for them. Yeah, Make Mac, a big deal out of it for Max him. Lucado. It's not about Max you. Lucado. Max yeah, Lucado. Yeah, yeah. We love Max. Max has been on the program. Okay. So so a key thing, though, is that I, I, I tweeted couple days ago, one of my colleagues, Esau McCauley, has been on the yeah. show. Um, and, you know, I saw the Wheaton College uh, Twitter feed celebrating something he said or did. He's, he's, he's just, his new book has been super helpful. We talked about it here, Reading While Black. Um, and he's now writing for the New York Times. And I tweeted, I'm just glad that we're celebrating our colleagues. And I really want to encourage, you know, my, where I serve, Edward, to concur, to celebrate the victories of others because that costs us nothing. Right. Yet it enables us to engage in their joy with them. So even here, this is why I love being a radio host because you got a new book. I, I get to talk to Heather Thompson today about her new book. That's going to be huge. I, it's only we three pray, days Lord, out. From your lips to God's ears. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I get to celebrate that with people. Yeah. So I love that part of what I do. But sometimes people feel, well, if I do that, is that going to diminish my accomplishments? Does it? Absolutely not. I don't think so. You know, it's yeah. something that I started doing uh, a few years ago, again, while I was in my own pit, so to say. Yeah. I had this moment where things weren't going well. I probably got another rejection letter on a book, actually. And so I'm driving into work, and I'm like, okay, obviously it's not my turn. What is three things I can do when I get to work today to just show other people that I care about them? I can't change my own circumstance, but I can hopefully help somebody else have a better day just because I am in their day. So I like stopped at the grocery store and got somebody some flowers because I noticed that she'd been staying. She was running our grad program at the university or that. And I noticed that she'd been staying late hours and not many people noticing. So I said, let me bring her flowers and just write her a little card saying, thank you. I got somebody else a coffee on the way in and then pulled a student aside and just said how much I appreciated her always engaging in our class. And as I was driving home that day, I felt so much happier. Yeah. It actually yeah, changed sure. and nothing changed for me. Right. It was just taking the time to say, okay, what, what do I see around me and how can I interact with these people and make somebody else have a better day? I just think we should all be doing that. I want to be your friend. I mean, you sound I like a, a fun really friend. Good friend. You sound like a good friend. I'm going to say that. That's good. I have very few, very close right. friends, but I am a friend to all. No, at that's the good. Same time. That's good. No, I like that. I, I think that part of what I appreciate about the book too is the reminder to people that when it's not your turn, it could be somebody yes, else's turn. Don't miss it. And, and God's exactly. in the neighborhood. Exactly. That's what okay. black people always say. He's in the neighborhood. So okay. that's what I want okay. to say. To I, other I people. don't really know what black people always say. So it's helpful <laughs> for you to share we that. Say, we say, sis, it means he's in the neighborhood. Yeah. So if somebody, if your friend gets the yeah. answer to their prayer, and right. I also just feel like prayer, we get to intercede on behalf of other people to the throne of God. What an honor. Yeah. And so if God answers their prayer, I like to think I have a small part in that. If I'm praying the same prayer for 
for them. Love so it. God is answering my prayer right, in their it. life. All right. So our emotions can go up and down during this time of waiting, right? It can be yeah. challenging. We can be happy. We can be sad, disappointed. How do we manage our emotions when it's not yet our turn? Yeah. Uh, here's here's an example. I just think of being really sensitive to other people. So when I got pregnant with my third son, my third child, um, my sister got pregnant, I think like two weeks later and she had a miscarriage Mm -hmm. and that was my sister and I are best friends Mm -hmm. and she's much more introverted than me. So I am absolutely her best friend. I think most people are more introverted than you. It could be wrong, (laughs) but good. So we're, she was having a really hard time and I got that. And so I just remember like I did the gender ultrasound and I found out it was a boy, but she was at the same time, like and obviously a really dark place. Yeah. And so I just never said anything. Yeah. So I just think that there, there's this responsibility. If right now it's your turn and you know that somebody is going through something really, really dark, just be quiet. When people go through hell, can we just lay down beside them? Mm-hmm. Okay. But how do we, so, cause you've kind of talked about how you communicated that time. You were more cautious because your sister yeah. going through a difficult time. So how do we communicate both in the difficult times, but also the successes so that we don't add to the idea that everything's a success all the time. Right. Can I, so I did my dissertation on storytelling. Oh, oh, nice. I'm very passionate about storytelling. And what I can tell you is we stories actually affect us physiologically. So you're telling your story is actually super important for your listeners. I always say this to my students. People may not want your theology. They might not want your politics or your worldview, but they will always listen if you tell them your story. What happens actually when we listen to each other tell stories is we release the hormone oxytocin. It's the love hormone. It's after a woman has a baby, the first thing they'll do is put that baby on your chest and tell you to nurse it. Because when you nurse a baby, you release oxytocin. It's what tells your brain you love this baby, connect to this baby. This baby matters to you. We release oxytocin when we listen to each other share stories. And I think that that is so incredible. Again, going back to the gospel, like Jesus, before all of our neuroscience to prove these things, what did he do? He would often stand up and tell these parables or stories and automatically people's hearts were drawn and connected. If he be lifted up, he draw all people to himself. We should know our own testimonies. And we should be able to articulate those to other people. That is, I build that into every single course I teach. I want my students to know what their testimony is mm-hmm. and to be able to share that with the world. So know your stories, know the good ones. And, and let me say this too, as we're talking about emotions, it's okay to have sad stories. Yeah. That does not mean that you're a bad Christian. And for some reason in Christianity, like we make it weird for people to have gone through bad times. It's normal. Yeah. Yeah, when we we actually when you mentioned uh, miscarriage, that was a part of our story. Yeah. And a later, you know, like not an early one, a later one. And uh, I found that it been as minister so many people when we share that story wow. because you know I will tell you before that happened to us, I thought well a miscarriage how you know that can't be that big of a deal. Right. And then we realized just our first our first pregnancy and realized just how big of a deal it was, particularly as we had just celebrated the church, shared it with everybody, mm. our first child. And, but that becomes a point where our pain becomes a chance that God use opportunity for God to use it to minister to others. But so our stories can be positive, can be negative. All right. We got about a minute left. Okay. Um, we're, we're again, let me remind everyone that the, the, the book is, is called, it's not your turn. What to do while you're waiting for your breakthrough. You got about a minute. Um, give us some, what to do's, what are some do's? Give us a list. Here are the things you can do right now while you're waiting for that breakthrough. Man, I think what we should do is acknowledge how we're feeling and then set a time, get back up. Okay. We have got to get back up and start working towards wherever the destination is. And you're, I just want to say this, your story is not over. 
whatever pit you're in, it doesn't mean that your story ends here. And what, let me just say this. What if more than God wants to give you success, he's trying to give you a story because a story can reach thousands, hundreds, millions, maybe of other people. And we're not supposed to be doing this alone. It's not just about you, right? We're creating stories and living stories to share with other people so that they can see Christ in us. I love it. I love it. We're listening to Heather Thompson Day. And uh, and again, as I mentioned earlier, we weren't taking calls because this is pre-recorded, but we wanted to get this conversation to you right after her book was available. So I want to encourage you to pick up and I'm celebrating with you. So Thank I you. love that. Join it's, in it's, my joy. Yeah, join in your joy. It's your turn. Uh, <laughs> okay. This is a good opportunity. And the book is called, it's not your turn. Ironically, it's your turn to have it published <laughs> by a major Christian publisher. It's not your turn. What to do while you're waiting for your breakthrough available three or four days since we uh, since having this conversation. I want to invite you to pick that up as well. And let me just say thank you as always to listening. Today was a super encouraging show. And we talk about culture. Sometimes we talk about challenges issues sometimes when we talk about issues that challenge you sometimes so thank you for trusting us to come back each saturday or listen again by the podcast at ed stetzer live let me as always thank our team they do a great job my engineer courtney young karen hender and our producer we don't have anyone on the phones today but claire seagard's normally filling in that role and we super appreciate her as well. Also, Chris Thomas and the whole team here at Cherry Hills Community Church that's helped with us with the technology so we can do this. I'll be preaching this weekend here at Cherry Hills as well. If you're in the Denver area, come by and say hello. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks to Heather Thompson Day. And hopefully this has been an encouraging time to you. Let's keep praying that the Lord might be honored in our lives. And even in the midst of the waiting, we might find grace, strength, and peace. Thanks for listening here on Moody Radio.